ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting edition of Monday Motivation. Hi everyone, this is Rabbi Garfinkel of Project 613 here in Chicago with another exciting edition of Monday Motivation for you. And we are really feel blessed to um, have this podcast and it's reaching a lot of people. I ask everyone to like and subscribe to the podcast and please pass it on. We want to wish uh, a very big mazel tov to two of our sets, couples of our participants, Anton and Olga German, on the birth of Talia, beautiful girl after their her big brother Eli was born before, and Talia had a real official baby naming this past week. Very something very very special. Uh, Anton and I were speaking that we think it's probably been about maybe a hundred or maybe even 120 years since uh, uh, a ba- a girl had a baby naming done according to Jewish tradition. So it was a real big honor to be part of it. Wish them, their family, the blessing to raise her to Torah, Ben Torah, Chuppah, Amasim, Tovim, all good and wonderful things to be a faithful link in the chain of the Jewish people. As well to Big Mazatov to Alex and Irina Tovstanovsky, one of my favorite names to say, I will admit, on the birth of their daughter Chava, who just such a great story. Alex and Irina both very involved, uh, went on our Poland trip and just have been involved for years and years uh, with us. So super excited for them as well. And we give you the blessing to raise Chava again, the Torah, the Ben Torah, Chupa, Masim, Tovim, to a life of Torah and Mitzvahs, and to be that authentic chain for the next generation of this glorious people that we call the Jewish people. Okay, here we go. We have um, a very powerful, I believe, podcast for you today. And it is based on a very uh, prolific, universal idea within Torah learning that I'll tell you. And the Hebrew phrase, and I'll translate, don't worry, is Ma'ase avos simanabanim, which means that the actions of our patriarchs and matriarchs are a siman, are a sign for the future. They're a blueprint. Our patriarchs and matriarchs are trailblazers for the future. They were the ones that took the machete and hacked their way through the Amazon spiritual rainforest so that we could follow in their footsteps. And so therefore... When we learn the Torah, it's not something that's detached from us because those, when we see character traits and qualities in the Torah, that's telling us that we have access to those same character traits, that we have access to that same spiritual greatness. We may not have been great enough to initiate that greatness, but we definitely have inherited the spiritual spiritual DNA to continue in the footsteps of their greatness and for us to become truly great. We are supposed to develop our full potential and therefore we develop our full potential by emulating the incredibly elevated, beautiful and truly moral and ethical pathways of our fathers and mothers. 
Okay, that's the basic theme, and now we're gonna we're gonna dig in. All right, we have an exciting story. As I always say, the book is much better than the movie. <laughs> they they made a movie about the story of Exodus years ago. I don't know if they made another one. Charlton Heston and you know the whole deal, but the the book is much better than the movie. And what we're gonna try to do is tell a little bit about this story of the uh, beginnings of the exodus of Egypt and the redemption, basically focusing on the birth of Moses, the birth of Moshe, the background to that story, which many people may not know, and the implications of Aaron HaKohen, Aaron the priest. All right, you ready? Fasten your seatbelt. So many of you know and you remember from the Passover story, from Passover night that we talk about, Pharaoh, who instilled, who decreed that all firstborn babies would be thrown into the Nile, okay, and killed. It was a very difficult decree for the Jewish people. Up until then, it had not been genocidal, but this really now, uh, Pharaoh increased his decrees and, and came out fully with his genocidal impulses and desires. And so what happened? Amram, who was the head of the tribe of Levi, and the Levites were the lead, the leads, the heads of the entire Jewish people. So Amram, many of you may have heard of him, many of you may not have heard of him. Amram was the leader of the Jewish people, the head of the tribe of Levi, Levi, and the father of Moses. He was married to Yocheved, and when he heard the decree that Paro was going to have the Mitzrim, the Egyptians, throw the baby boys into the Nile. Why? By the way, because Pharaoh's necromancers, his astrologers, said that the savior of the Jewish people was going to be born. And therefore, Pharaoh wanted to defeat that decree and kill all the baby boys. By the way, he killed the Egyptian boys as well. Uh, in this time period with craziness. So when Amram heard this decree, he told his beautiful wife, Yocheved, that we have to get divorced. How can we bring children, Jewish children, into this world when they're just going to be killed? And so he divorced his wife, Yocheved, and since he was the leader of the Jewish people, every Jewish male followed suit and divorced his wife. And so you had a marriage crisis among the Jewish people. Obviously, it was not a uh, one they would have done voluntarily, but given the situation, it's hard to blame them. And now here's an amazing theme. We will see time and again the Jewish women, Bishus, Nashim, Tzikanios, Nigalim, and the merit of the righteous women. We were redeemed from Egypt. And basically from every bad situation, it's the women who step up and redeem us. And there she was, Miriam, the eldest child of Amram Yocheved, Miriam and her younger brother Aaron. Okay, can you imagine that dinner table? Miriam and Aaron, and eventually we'll see Moshe. You know, can you imagine that dinner table? Pretty impressive. Okay, so Miriam, she goes to her father and she says, Abba, you are worse than Pharaoh. What? Excuse me? What? You're worse than Pharaoh. Pharaoh only decreed on the boys. But you, by divorcing your wife, our mother, you have 
decreed on the boys and the girls. At that moment, Amram saw his daughter Miriam's wisdom, and he remarried his wife, Yocheved. And that's exactly, and the entire Jewish people followed suit, and they remarried their wives. And at that moment, that's when Moshe was conceived. Moshe was conceived. He was born early at six months. They knew the Egyptians tracked all the pregnancies in the country, and they knew that in that when when the due date was, he was born at six months. There were three months to go, and at nine months, when the Egyptians were to come and take the baby, Yocheved sends Moshe down the river. Dana, we're at the literally the edge of our seats in a teva. It's the same Hebrew word, by the way, as Noah's Ark, a teva. Okay, we're at the edge of our seats. The Savior of Klai Yisrael, of the Jewish people, is hanging by a thread. And what happens? What happens is that Hitler's daughter saves him and raises him in Hitler's home. Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, did I say Hitler? I meant Pharaoh. Oh, okay, same thing. Okay, I did that for shock value, folks. But that's really what happened. If you, you know, we think of you know Pharaoh and Egypt and the cartoons and the this that and the other. Hitler was a was a little bit of a shadow of what Pharaoh was, and look at the irony, the tremendous irony, that Pharaoh himself ends up raising the savior of the Jewish people in his own home. He provides the food and the shelter and the clothing and the education, everything, and it's unbelievable that. The way the Almighty runs history. It's very ironic. And it's a lesson we see many times throughout history that the oppressors of the Jews have this monomaniacal, totally focused effort to destroy the Jews. But in the process, they really destroy themselves. Okay? So because of Pharaoh's intense hatred for the Jews, he decreed death on the firstborn, on, the, on these baby boys. And Basia, his daughter, rebelled against him because of that cruelty. Because of the cruelty of her father, she was down by the river and she decided to save this Jewish baby. And so we see that Pharaoh's cruelty ended up inspiring his own daughter to rebel against him and to save, have compassion on Moshe and eventually cause Pharaoh to raise his own enemy, his own, the one who would depose him and destroy him, and that was Moses. Okay, we see the same thing in the story of Esther, that Haman was doing all these things to try to destroy the Jewish people, and ended up, he was the one who facilitated his own destruction. He made the the gallows 50, almost 50, more than feet high, and um, he made those for Mordecai, but he ended up hanging on them, and many other things. He was the one that got rid of Vashti, and that let the uh, the door to be opened for Esther to come take power. Okay, long story, but basically we see this as a very important aside in history, that our enemies hate us so much that their hatred leads to their own destruction. May it soon be in our days as well. All right, so Miriam now. Here we go. Miriam is by the river. Moshe's floating down. It's the Torah says that Miriam was by the river to see what is happening to Moshe. And we're at the edge of our seats and we don't know what is going to happen. And then Miriam sees that the, the da- Pharaoh's daughter Basia 
takes the Teva, takes the, the little mini ark, the little basket, and she opens it up and she sees that it was a Jewish child. And the verse goes, chapter 2, verse 6, Vatiftach Vatireyu. She opens it up. Vatireyu is a yelled. She sees the yelled. Notice it says yelled, which is a boy. Vihine na'ar boche. And behold, a youth, which means a, a, an older child, is crying. Vatachmolav, she has compassion on it. Okay, instead, and she gets one of the wet nurses. Actually, none of them would work, and she ends up getting it from Miriam, who brings Moshe's mother, Yocheved, to be the wet nurse. Okay, but there's something very funny in this verse. It says that she sees the yelled, the boy, the, the little child, was um, in the basket, and vehine, and behold, na'ar boche, the na'ar, the older boy, was crying. And it's, so Rashi notices this inconsistency in the verse, in, and says that really the baby had an adult voice. Okay, again, there's two words in the in the verse indicating a young boy, but one's older than the other. So she sees the yelled, which is a young younger boy, like could be a baby. And then the na'ar was boche. The na'ar is an older child. So it's a little bit funny why the older reference is used by crying. So Rashi says that the baby was so developed that it was it was a, a voice of a, an older uh, older than just a baby's voice. But the Balaturim has an unbelievable, unbelievable connection. And it says, really, it's not the Nar. It wasn't Moshe. You know who the Nar, the boy, the older boy who was crying? It was Aharon. It was his older brother, Aaron. Aaron was crying for Moshe. Miriam and Aaron were there waiting to see what was going to happen to their younger brother, Miriam especially, because she was the one that convinced Amram and Yocheved to have to get back together again and have more children. So Miriam's street creds were on the line over here. And Aaron was also there, and Aaron was crying for his younger brother. Aaron was crying for his younger brother. And this is who Aaron was. Aaron, Aaron was the meat of the character trait of Ohev Shalom, Rodev Shalom, of loving peace, seeking peace. He had a huge heart. When, when later, when Moshe was coming, was, was sent by God, by Hashem, to, the, to Egypt to become the leader of the Jewish people, you know who the leader was at the time? It was Aaron. And Moshe was worried that Aaron was going to feel bad and slighted that his younger brother was going to come in and, and take over leadership. And the Torah testifies as only Hashem can do. Only Hashem knows what's in one's heart. And it says that Aaron was ra'ah. He saw Moshe v'samach balibo. And he was happy in his heart. He was happy. In his, now how many people would be happy in their heart when their younger sibling would take over leadership of the Jewish people or the corporation or whatever they're running? And the, the Torah says at that point that, oh, you have such a heart. That heart is going to be the heart that's going to wear the Choshen Mishpat, the special breastplate of the high priest that was going to be able to help him adjudicate all of the judgments because judgment needs a heart of compassion. And this is what it means to have a Jewish heart is to be proactively concerned with another 
Aaron could have been, I don't know, he could have been playing, I don't know, Xbox or Nintendo. They still have Nintendo? I don't know. He could have been doing a million things. But he was there crying for his younger brother. And that Jewish heart that Aaron carved a pathway for to be compassionate, to think about the other and to be other-centered and not to be jealous of, uh, jealous of other people and to seek the peace of of young couples and the peace of other people, to be givers, to be totally dedicated to the other. That's a Jewish heart. And that's where it comes from. It comes from Aaron Cohen, and he passed it down to the whole Jewish people. And you ask, how is this relevant? This is this is literally the, the headlines that's happening today. We see what's going on among the Jewish people. It's not normal. No other people would behave like this. The entire feeling in the land of Israel of many people who've been there and come back from trips and they say that there is this incredible elevated feeling of love between every single Jew, no matter what they look like, no matter how old or young or religious or irreligious or stripes of religiosity or political party. And my, I have two children there, one married daughter and one single daughter who are there. And, and they, they, you know, my, my daughter in seminary, Adina, I said, tell me what's going on over there. And she starts rattling off this incredible list of things that are happening in Israel, that her seminary and others are babysitting for the refugees' children. I, people, I don't know if people realize there are hundreds of thousands of Israelis who live near Gaza and who are living up north out of the fear of Hezbollah who have evacuated their homes. And they're living in hotels in Jerusalem. And other places, and and their, their their children aren't in school, and they need people to entertain their children. So you have these seminary girls from America who are going and babysitting, having fun, you know, entertaining the children. She says there are soup kitchens down beneath her building. That there's a huge army trucks that pull up every day, and you have these secular Israeli soldiers pulling up, and these Hasidic Jews with long payas putting massive amounts of food onto these kosher food onto these trucks to take down to Gaza. People were giving up their apartments for refugees. There's an incredibly high morale in the country. Yachad together we will be victorious. And Yisrael Batach Vashem, the Jewish people trust in God. They're all over the place in Israel. There are countless, endless concerts and barbecues for Chayalim, for soldiers. My daughter's seminary and other seminary girls made tzitzis for the Chayalim that tied the ritual. They actually, they actually made the begad, the, the clothing part, and then other people made the actual strings. But it's really, truly incredible. The amount of food packages that are being sent, collecting food and money, the amount of shipments from America have been, and around the world has been astounding. I spoke with someone in the know, and he estimates that approximately, and again, maybe not an exact number, but approximately $1 billion in private money has been coming just from America alone in terms of financial help and goods and services to be able to help over there. There are duffel bags filled with equipment of every type of thing. Our, I had a, a, my own self for our soldier who was there. We raised money and they were able to buy special scopes um, to be able to shoot better. There were so many people who reported 
for Miluim, for the call-up, for the reserve duty, that the Israeli army simply didn't have enough equipment to be able to give the best equipment. They just didn't have it. So they had to buy on their own. Okay, and I heard recently now that at the Nova Festival, where the tragedy was, there have been many, many, many Sifre Torahs, Sefer Torahs that have been dedicated to those who fell, and they're now doing Hachnasa Sefer Torah, like a celebratory dancing from the dancing of destruction that happened on October 7th to a dancing of renewal and a dancing of victory, and it all comes from a Jewish heart. It comes from a Jewish heart that cannot be denied, a Jewish heart that is burning with the love of the Jewish people, that is burning to help and to give and to be there for our fellow Jew. And so God willing, may we all be inspired by Aaron Cohen and tap into our spiritual DNA of a heart of flame on fire, with love for the Jewish people to be givers. And may we continue to do so. God bless. Have an amazing week. And we'll see you again back here right next week for another exciting edition of Monday Motivation.